Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your community spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up! And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to your community spirit. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And... If you stick around, I'm going to have some It's So Cold jokes. Um, but first, I wanted to have a little bit of reflection, because this is the first time ever in 15 years being on this show that it's been my birthday, and I've been in town on <laughs> yeah. the show. Well, happy birthday. Usually, I try to leave town, you know, to find a sunny spot. Yeah. But I don't know if you've noticed, it's cold. But unusually sunny. Yeah, that's very sunny. And actually, it's normal temperature for here. Mm-hmm. It's around for this time of the year. Yeah. We just have this wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very windy. I walked here. I walked 50 minutes to get here. <laughs> just like <laughs> it was quite an adventure. <laughs> um, has everybody did their um, week long resolution? Has it made it a week? <laughs> yeah. Mine was not to have any, so I I'm still sticking with it. So isn't that sort of a, a, a sort of a paradoxical <laughs> resolution? I resolve not to have a resolution. Well, I was thinking that most of the stuff I plan to do, I already do. Mm. Um, but I did want to remind people who have broken their resolution that of nine important facts. Number one, death is the number one killer in the world. Mm-hmm. Number eight. Life is sexually transmitted. You think? Up oh, my phone. Number seven. Good health is merely the slowest possible rate in which one can die. <laughs> Number six. I don't know about this one. Men have two emotions, hungry and horny. If you can't tell them apart, make them a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Number five. Give a person a fish and you feed them for a day. Teach a person the internet and they won't bother you for weeks, months, or even years. That's true. Number four. Health nuts are going to feel stupid someday, laying in the hospital, dying of nothing. (laughs) Number three. All of us could take a lesson from the weather. It pays no attention to criticism. (laughs) (laughs) Number two. In the 60s, people took acid to make the world weird. Now the world is weird and people take Prozac to make it normal. <laughs> Number one, life is like a jar of jalapeno peppers. What you do today might turn... I can't say that word, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> um, it, it might burn you tomorrow. <laughs> there you go, that'll work. <laughs> and as someone recently once said, don't worry about old age, it doesn't last that long. <laughs> so... um as I turn one year older today, I want to follow the Native American tradition of giving presents. I have a seven presents, um, sitting in the, and seven is a, like a Native American sacred number, sitting in the lobby for the first seven people. You have a week before I come back here next week <laughs> to come and get it. So it's a thank you for what you do and thank you for, well, 15 years of listening to me every week i'm sorry <laughs> it's just like, yeah so 
Oh, yeah. Well, it's been good to have you on here for 15 years, too. <laughs> so um, stick around for It's So Cold jokes, but first, the news. Yes. Well, our first story is, leave the damn fossil fuels in the ground, says Big Nerdy Study. <laughs> <laughs> That's the official term for what this study was. Big Nerdy Study. Yeah. To keep the climate somewhat safe and relatively stable, 82% of the world's coal reserves, half of all natural gas, and every drop of Arctic oil must be left in the ground, according to a new study from researchers at University College London. And that's just considering the energy resources already counted as assets to be burned by fossil fuel companies. Well, I think me and you did a pretty good job because we both walked here. Yeah. And today, it's supposedly cold. Yeah. <laughs> right? We survived the cold and we walked here. No fossil fuels involved. But, you know, we don't, should we be all self-righteous about it? <laughs> no, that's, you know, everybody does their part, I'm sure. You know, well, I mean, when you have a solar system and the power goes all out, you turn all the lights on and turn some music up to say, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so, I don't know. I mean, I don't get this chance very often to um, walk. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Back well, to your regularly scheduled news. Yeah. It's good to be able to cut down on it, because then they're less likely to take it out of the ground. Oh, I I was talking about my weight. You're talking about the oil, huh? <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> so, well, so it says we must stop exploring for new carbon-based fuels altogether to avoid complete climate chaos. Because, I mean, if we already know that we can't use the stuff we already have in our accounts, then why are we going out and looking for more fossil fuels? I mean, that's just a little wacky. This isn't an entirely new story, but... It's not wacky, it's money. Yeah, well, it's money, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just like... It's money clouding people's judgment or altering people's judgment. I mean, we already knew that to some extent. Bill McKibben's carbon math is all about how two-thirds of fossil fuel reserves are unburnable. But this particular study uh, is a new one. It has new data on it, new information on the details. Governing bodies have not yet done anything about it, and energy extraction industry isn't about to just abandon its wealth stores. This new research makes two big strides for humankind's quest to maintain a livable climate. First, the article is published in Nature, one of the world's most highly regarded climate science journals, excuse me, science journals in general. Uh, so it's read by academics in many fields and translated into plain speak by all sorts of media outlets, including Grist, which is where we got this story. Right. So one of the big things about this study is that it's in Nature, which is a really big deal. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like a study in nature. Yeah. <laughs> uh, secondly, this analysis is the first research to look at what specific stores of fossil fuel should not be dug up and combusted. Yeah. I mean, before they were just like, we shouldn't do it. I don't know. Yeah. But before now, it's like you can make a general estimate of like, oh, you know, we shouldn't burn very many fossil fuels. That's a no-brainer. But now they can be like, okay, if we burn this and this and this, we're all going to die. So the authors actually set out to maximize the economic benefits we get from cheap, dirty energy while eliminating, uh, limiting total carbon emissions to a level that leaves up with a 50-50 chance of keeping warming under 2 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So, which is the arbitrarily agreed upon danger zone for global average temperature increase. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we're not entirely sure what the threshold is. We might have already crossed the threshold, but... There are international. Oh, come on. Don't, don't be a doomsdayer. <laughs> yeah. We have to have some hope. Oh, yeah. There's still hope. There's still hope of not making it worse. But two degrees is a target that a lot of countries are trying to go for. And so to even have a 50 50 chance of hitting that two degree mark, we need to keep most of it in the ground. 
So here we're cold. Yeah. But the other side of the globe, it's summer. Summertime, summertime, sum, sum, summertime. Australia is so hot that even the grapes wear sunscreen. What? <laughs> I may not have absorbed a lot of the good advice I got when I was younger. You know, floss every day, sit up straight, don't make the face or it'll stick. That's uh-huh. a good one. Yeah. But I did absorb a lot of one thing, sunscreen. As someone who loathes sunburn but loves being outside, my real choices were wear a lot of sunscreen or move to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> now, this guy did both. He yeah. just like <laughs> trying to. So, faced with record-breaking heat waves of a down-under summer, Australian grapevines are at risk as a yuri on an average day at the beach. I wonder what a yuri is. <laughs> no, maybe you'd have <laughs> to, like be an Australian. <laughs> Let's ask our local Australians. <laughs> but while Aussie vintners don't have the luxury of following me to, um, Cascadia, the no- yeah, yeah, the north northwest, <laughs> right? They can take a hint from camp counselors everywhere and apply, apply some, what? Yeah, I thought I, I thought this was a joke. It's yeah. Like, it sounds like a joke, you know, like, oh, let's put sunscreen on the grapes, but they're actually doing it. <laughs> At least one vineyard is doing just that, according to the BBC. The quality of the vintage depends not only on the sun and the soil, but the temperature. Very hot weather can affect serious damage, and too much heat can cause the berries to shrivel up or suffer sunburn. So you put sunscreen on your kids when they go out in the sun, so we put them on our grapevines. It just goes on like a normal spray. That was all a quote from the chief executive of Tyrell's Wines. <laughs> so they just like liquefy it. Yeah, they liquefy, they spray it on there, like. <laughs> <laughs> and really? then I guess, of course, they have to wash it back off when they. Yeah, they gotta wash it when they harvest. I'm sure. I wonder if this is gonna be a new trend for beachgoers. You know, you just they'll have a spray. You walk through, you walk, and they spray the suntan on you. That would actually, <laughs> that's a good idea because I mean, people have to put it on so much, and it's a lot of work. For guys to do it for girls, and I don't think guys want to do that anymore. <laughs> so, Australian grapes could use all the zinc oxide they can get. Temperatures in wine-growing regions already reach 113 degrees. So right now, they're experiencing you know plus 100 degree weather. Yeah. Well, we're well, we're, our actual temperature is normal. It's 20 degrees right now. Yeah. We're just getting like a negative 30 degree or something because of the wind chill, right? Yeah, the wind chill is pretty bad. So, so all that leaves one question. Would you prefer your yellow tail in copper tone cabaret or Sauvignon banana boat? <laughs> just like, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> it's just like, they should label them with names like that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So. I wonder if we're going to have to deal with that here because, I mean, we're starting to get hot summers. Yeah, we are. And, you know, southern Illinois is good wine country now, but if if global warming heats it up another five degrees. Well, two years ago, we had that heat wave in the summer and all my tomatoes burst. Yeah. I mean, they got too hot and they just exploded. I mean, it was interesting. I was like, look at all those tomatoes. I was going to harvest them. And then literally, you know, the next day. The majority of them had split, or some of them had split so much that there was nothing but like the skins. I mean, it was just yeah. like they just kind of disintegrated. Yeah, it it's amazing. probably like the uh, the eighteen twelve overture out in the fields. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the grapes do that too in hot weather. I know the grapes suffer in hot weather. 
I think that same year they had troubles here with the wineries. Well, and I think it matters what time, mm-hmm. you know, because if it's like right before they get picked and it's decently hot, it makes them sweet. Yeah. You know, but if it's too hot, yeah, I mean, they essentially boil inside and, you know, split open. Yeah. Now, I mean, tomatoes, well, tomatoes and grapes are like woodland, you know, indoor, um, what is that called? They, they like shade. They like a little shade, yeah. Yeah, so, um, maybe you should start growing grapes in the woods. <laughs> that could be fun. So. Alright, in other news, fracking is definitely causing You know, you're not allowed to cuss on this show. <laughs> yeah, so not fracking, yeah. I said don't cuss. <laughs> it is a cuss word. I, I kind of like the fact that in Battlestar Galactica it's used as a cuss word. I've got to assume that in the future, fracking destroyed the planet, so it became a cuss word. So, fracking is definitely causing earthquakes, another study confirms. Yet another study has found a link between hydraulic fracturing and earthquakes. This one examined 77 minor quakes near the Ohio Pennsylvania. 77 minor quakes. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> so the se- But it's, a, you know, it's a decent, what do you call it? The more numbers you have, the more accurate a study is. Yeah. I mean, that's the value of doing numerous studies. Science likes uh, repeatability. <laughs> so the sequence of seismic events, including a rare felt quake of a magnitude 3.0 on the Richter scale, was caused by active fracking on two nearby Hillcorp Energy Company well pads. According to a research published online in the Bulletin of the Seismological Society of America, Study found that although it's rare for fracking associated with shale gas extraction to cause earthquakes large enough to be felt on the surface by humans, seismic monitoring advances have found the number of felt and unfelt earthquakes associated with fracking have increased over the past 10 years. And studies have also found that it's not just the actual drilling and extraction that causes the earthquakes. More often, the routine practice of injecting fracking wastewater into deep disposal wells is to blame. Once... Uh, once the toxic mix of water, sand, and chemicals is underground, it can travel for miles, changing the pressure on fault lines, and sometimes triggering earthquakes. Now, this is these numbers are kind of startling. Like, it may not sound too bad if they're calling them minor earthquakes, but uh, once that, let's see, there's Oklahoma had uh, 564 quakes that were of at least magnitude three in, two, and that, in 2014. 14, yeah. In from 1975 to 2008, they only averaged three per year. Yeah. So so they went from three per year to 564. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a big deal or not. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. I don't know. Seems like a big deal to me. I mean, that seems kind of catastrophic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a catastrophic increase. And I think about that living in a seismic region here. You know, we may not think of it as such because it's not very active right now, but if you keep shaking it like that, <laughs> it might trigger something. New Seattle law. No food. Oh, wait, I need to keep going. In <laughs> trash. <laughs> yeah. Just like starting January 1st, it will be illegal to throw food and food waste in the trash in Seattle when a new ban takes effect to increase recycling and composting in the city. Currently, Seattle residents are allowed to throw food and food waste. That would be pizza boxes, dirty napkins, soiled paper towels in the trash. Okay, see, I don't think of that as food waste. That, I mean, it's even making me think different. Uh, yeah. So uh, that'd be hard. I mean, you can't 
throw away a paper towel. Yeah, gonna have dirty to dirty napkins. <laughs> Residents are required to have a food and yard waste collection service, but they don't have to use it for food. You know, so it, you know if you're back have a backyard compost, you're exempt. Yeah. Similarly, multi-family building owners are required to provide a compost collection service for residents, but residents don't have to use it. But on January 1st, Seattle will, so you don't have to use it, but it's still banned. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So you're not allowed to throw away food, but you don't have to use the composting service. Yeah. Well, so on the you band, can just quit eating. Yeah, you can quit eating. <laughs> the ban makes it so that you're going to have to choose to either find something else to do with your waste or compost it or... Now, they banned it January 1st, but they will not enforce it until July 1st. At that time, any single-family trash container with more than 10% recyclables or food waste by volume will face a dollar fine on their next trash bill. Now, I want to know, first of all, who's going to sort through the trash Yeah. (laughs) and implement a dollar fine? It's not worth sorting through the trash. Yeah. Well, they'll probably do is they'll probably, as they throw out the trash, they'll probably just take a peek and if there's visible recyclables in it, you know. I kind of like the other one that, like, it's a dollar for individuals, but if it's multifamily property owners with too much food waste, they get a warning and then uh, a $50 fine. That is a little bit more noticeable. So that would make it so that people who own apartment complexes, number one, have to build a composting yeah. bin. And maintain it and make it so it doesn't stink and rot, which I don't see how that's possible. <laughs> yeah. They if you have would... a whole complex, yeah, a whole apartment complex putting food in there, it'll just be rotting. Yeah. They're probably going to have to have like a either a professional service come and take it or they'll have a groundskeeper come and tend yeah, the compost. Yeah, because you can't have a compost bin with that much just food because you have to put roughage and... Yeah, you got to put roughage and turn it and all that. And then people who don't know that you can't throw, I mean, you can't put meat. Yeah. In the compost. Well, it's probably... So what are people supposed to do with their meat scraps? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you can't throw it in the trash, (laughs) and you can't put it in the compost. Okay, um... (laughs) You've got quite... We'll have to ask our Seattle friends how that's working out. (laughs) Okay, well, listen. Public trash cans will be exempt from the new ordinance, so you just sneak it into the public trash (laughs) can. Everyone's going to take their meat bones and stick it out there. But I wonder if it's like a cultural renaissance that goes on, where everybody in the entire city is going to learn... What you can compost, what you can't, and... Well, that's part of it. Seattle is falling short of its goal to recycle and compost 60% of its waste by 2015. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta catch up. The years-long bump in recycling has dropped and only 56%... Well, come on, 56%... They're close. ...of waste was diverted in 2013. I'm sure they're closer than we are. (laughs) So... So they're, they're, they're projecting that the new law will divert 38,000 tons of food scraps from the landfills and into composting. Yeah. That's impressive. Anything we can do to divert from landfills is good. I mean, we have this concept of throwing things away. There's no place called away. It, it goes to the landfill. Yeah. And those fill up eventually and you gotta build another one. Yeah. And I, I really like the idea of, like, our family always liked bringing things to our property. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you bring leaves, you bring stuff to build up the soil. Yeah. You know, I so I like, you know, improving. And so if you're bringing food into your place and composting it, you're improving your place. Yeah. 
I wonder if in a hundred years now, like, you know, all the other areas are going to have no fertility in their soil and Seattle will have the richest soil yeah, just because they're they composted. Up. Southern California has shipped all their food to <laughs> Seattle and Seattle is like the best place to grow things ever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Why would they have a study that cycling keeps you young? Yeah. <laughs> Forever young. They have studies about everything. That's not a bad study, but. Isn't that logical? I mean, yeah, you'd think so. It's good to have the evidence for it, though, because it seems common sense, but, you know, sometimes common sense doesn't work out. That's true. I don't remember ever seeing anybody who wasn't good-looking in Amsterdam. (laughs) It was just like, and dressed well. I really enjoyed seeing people, like, in full suits and full, like, evening gowns riding bicycles. I mean, you know, just, like, (laughs) completely decked out. Now, the ladies didn't wear their high heels. They had them in a little bag. Yeah. But I regularly saw that, you know, someone dressed all, pedaling their bike, and then, you know, they'd get there and they'd swap out their shoes and go into... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to do it. Now, apparently, it keeps you young. Uh, There's a reason all the Copenhagen cycle chic people look so good, and it's not just those Nordic jeans and tight jeans. (laughs) It's exercising that they're getting doing all that cycling. New study confirms that not only will cycling keep you looking good, it will keep you young. Published in the Journal of Physiology, researchers from King's College, London, and the University of Birmingham found that cyclists over the age of 55, quote, had levels of physiological function that would place them at a much younger age compared to the general population. Now, I want to note that this study only did follow serious cyclers. Yeah, it's that followed serious, like... Men who were capable of doing 100 kilometers in under 6.5 hours. Yeah, that's pretty serious. So that's, well, that's that's actually a slow pedal. Mm -hmm. Like, well, medium pedal, because that's like 10 miles an hour. But it's a medium pedal for, uh, you know, all day, all all afternoon. Right, that's true, (laughs) medium pedal for six hours. Yeah. So, so they're probably really cruising for a while, and they take a break. Yeah, so. <laughs> so it is a pretty small subset of cycl- cyclists, but the researchers put the cyclists through all kinds of tests, and in fact, they couldn't determine their age from their measurements. What? They, you know, they, they <laughs> measured their performance, and they couldn't tell, like, oh, you know, you want this speed, so you must be this age. It really was based on how much exercise they got, not how old they were. Huh. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean. I could, huh. I believe that, you know, I've been, I don't cycle uh, lately, but I've been jogging for the past few years, and I feel younger now than I did a few years ago. I would agree with that. I mean, mid-20s compared to now, I'm more active, and I feel a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and part of that, I mean, the population is largely sedentary, so the tendency is assumed that inactivity is the, you know, the standard condition for humans. Yeah. So, <laughs> um. So in other words, get on your bike, walk, run, or whatever. Just get out of your... Should we leave right now? <laughs> it says get out of your chair and, and get rid of that car. Get on your bike and ride. <laughs> so, yeah, so keeping active keeps you younger. Yes. So Today is Play God Day. <laughs> that sounds a little dangerous. Should I do the cold jokes first? Yeah. Or no, let's do the holidays. Today is... Oh, yeah, Play God Day. Tomorrow is House Plant Appreciation Day. And Especially if you like to breathe oxygen in. Yeah. 
can keep your air clean inside the house. And Peculiar People Day. Now, I celebrate that every day, honestly. <laughs> Sunday is Step in a Puddle and Splash Your Friends Day. I don't think we want to do that. It's too cold It's a frozen here. puddle right now. But Monday is the Feast of the Fabulous Wild Man Day. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a good day. <laughs> and National Pharmacist Day. <laughs> Just like... Yeah. And, oh, Tuesday, it says Tuesday is International Skeptics Day. I'm not sure about that. I may have to research it. But it's Make Your Dreams Come True Day, so Uh, I'm skeptical if you can make your dreams come true. Yeah. All right. Oh, we don't need to celebrate Wednesday. Dress up your pet day. Your your poor pet doesn't, doesn't need to be dressed up. Unless they do really seem to like it, I guess. Just to let you know, this happens to be National Oatmeal Month, National Soup Month, National Hot Tea Month. And National Bath Safety Month. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, um, I was gonna do a whole series of jokes, but I thought I'd just do the one, um, Eskimo joke. The funniest cold joke? <laughs> I don't know. It's the funniest. Um, well, the short one, uh, the short one. <laughs> it's so cold, I cleaned out the freezer so I could cuddle in there and get warmer. <laughs> there you go. Um, so three Eskimos were arguing at the, the, which one of their igloos was colder. And finally, they're just like, let's just go. So the first guy goes there, and they go into the igloo, and he spits, and it immediately freezes and tink. And they're like, hey, yours is cold. And like, mine's colder. So we go over to his igloo, and he um, somehow heats up a cup of water and, you know, goes to dump it, and it is like, thunk. It freezes before it hits the ground. Yeah. Third guy's now, mine is colder. So they go to his igloo, and... They're like, what are you going to do? He goes over to his sleeping furs and he pulls back his sleeping furs and he pulls out a little blob of ice and he brings it over and puts it over the fire and it goes. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Keeping it cold in Southern Illinois. (laughs) All right, so let's see what happenings we've got. Even if it's cold, the farmers are still growing things inside. Oh, yeah. They and got, it, I mean, it's really helpful. It's really sunny. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you had a well-insulated passive solar house, your bills would not be any higher now because it's so sunny. Yeah, the sun is helping. You I know, felt the sun so, helping on the so way here. greenhouses, they're, they're still having, you know, greenhouses are not well-insulated. They're basically usually just plastic. Yeah. So they do have to heat them, but um, the sun is helping. Yeah. So why did I talk about the farmers? Oh, yeah, because the farmer's market. It's coming up on Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon at the Carbondale Community High School. Now, they are indoors there. They're not out in the freezing weather. They're indoors in high school. Well, the farmers still do deal with the freezing weather. Yeah, the farmers deal with it, so you don't have to. So many kudos out to the farmers. So there is, the there is still carrots and greens and a lot of fresh goodness happening in spite of it being... Winter. Yeah. <laughs> so, Saturday 9 till noon at the Carbondale Community High School. Yes. Also coming up, the Martin Luther King celebration is coming up. It's not until the 18th, but they're having a practice for the choir. There's a community choir on Saturday, January 10th at 10 a.m. at Rock Hill Baptist Church, 217 East Monroe. They get together and they practice two times before the events, and they practice the songs they're going to sing. And the celebration itself is on the 18th of January. So mark your calendar for the 18th. And if you'd like to be in the choir, Saturday, January 10th, and Saturday the 17th at 10 a.m. I've been thinking about yeah, uh, 
It's a I'm good also time. been thinking about leaving town where it's warmer. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, <laughs> well, singing will warm you up. Faith in the Environment, Thursday, January 15th at 7 p.m. at the Guy House Interface Center. Faith in the Environment is an ongoing series of conversations held the third Thursday of each month. Each session features an exploration of a different aspect of the relationship between faith and the environment. People of all faiths are welcome. For more information, you can contact Scott Martin at... Oop, I just lost it. Oh, yeah, it's at SoilCon, S-O-I-L-C-O-N, at M-C-H-S-I dot com. Good deal. Or you can show up for Faith and Environment. Also coming up, we have the Adult Literacy Volunteer Program. It's a training coming up for that on Saturday, January 17th and January 24th at John A. Logan College. Do you know adults who can't read? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd want to admit it. Yeah, there's some that, who don't admit it. That would take a so. lot of power to just admit that. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine not being able to read. I mean, literally, reading is my soul. Yeah. I read like a couple books a week. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I do a lot of reading, too. Not quite that much, but I enjoy reading. And there are a lot of people, too, who even if they can read a little bit, they're functionally illiterate. They can't fully read. And or, so, you know, they're learning to read in English. Yeah. So, I mean... English as a second language, too. Right. And so, so th- this is if you like to volunteer with adults learning to read, write, do basic math, or speak English as a second language, the John A. Logan College Literacy Program... Um, there is mandatory, the reason why we're reading this is there is mandatory training sessions. Yeah. January 17th and 24th. And so if you would like to do this, now once you get trained, you can do it when you have the time. Yeah. But you have to go to these mandatory training sessions. Yeah, because the trainings help you know how to teach. Because it's, it's one thing if you know how to read already, but knowing how to teach it well, they help train you in that. So it's 985282 extension 8414 and ask for Colleen Springer in the Adult Volunteer Literacy Program. So call, become a literacy volunteer and share your knowledge. Yes, because reading is such a joy, so anything we can do to share it is good. Man, I should do that. That sounds like... You can be a literacy superhero. (laughs) So we already talked about the reminder... Dr. Martin Luther King Community Celebration Sunday, January 18th at 4 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. Mark your calendar. Your vote is your freedom in honor of the 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Yeah, and it's a celebration. It's not just a talk. It's a celebration with music, dance, readings, and uh, got refreshments. It's a really good time. Sunday, January 18th at 4 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. Man, I can't think of another cold joke. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cold outside, our brain and frozen, and we can't think of another cold joke. It, it's... Snowman and a snowwoman. What's the, yeah, what's the difference between a snowman and a snowwoman? Snowballs. Snowballs. <laughs> well, I don't think they heard that one, but that's, that's all right. <laughs> you can figure that one out at home. <laughs> it's so cold that the snowmen are coming inside. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, it's another exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirits. Uh, happy birthday again, Or. It's been good to have you here on the radio. And don't forget to come pick up your birthday present for me. 
I have, well, have you got a cookbook? Yeah, I got a ton of books. Okay, for <laughs> me though. No. Okay, we have six cookbooks left. So. <laughs> six cookbooks left. Next week, so oh, okay. I'll be waiting. No. <laughs> it's like, yes. All right, well, we will see you here next week on the radio.